Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hi, everybody. It's just now passing the Thanksgiving weekend. Hanukkah has started, so happy Hanukkah for any of our Jewish friends out there who are celebrating. And I hope you find the light you are looking for. Um, I just uh, wanted to be sure to say that and wish you all well. And for those of you who are getting ready for the Christmas holiday season or Kwanzaa, I am thinking of you and hoping that you are going to have a wonderful, wonderful holiday ahead of you. Today I wanted to talk about problems that arise in daily care in your homes and where are some of the problem spots? What should you be looking for? And where do the hazards start, like in the house or outdoors? Um, Oh my gosh, driving, right? Uh, Habits that people have, smoking, hunting. Oh my gosh, it goes on and on. It can be you know, um, nutrition and meal times. It can be nutrition issues. It can be weight loss. It could be choking. Um, what do you think about tube feeding and things like that? So I want to go over some of these today and see if I can provide some clarity because what we're always looking for is culpability in a person that has dementia. And what does that mean, culpability? It means, are they aware of what they're doing or that something they're doing is wrong or going to cause them problems? Um, Can they evaluate the consequences of what they're doing? You know, like we do. People forget very quickly what has just happened. Like if they get in a car accident, they may not even remember that they just got in a car accident. They may try to do things that they've done over and over in their life and start realizing that they can't manage those things any longer or forget the steps that it takes trying to do those tasks. These things happen all the time. And it's because the portion of the brain that remembers how to do simple things like buttoning your shirt or zipping a coat or something like that is no longer working and can cause people to catch their finger in the zipper, um, get frustrated because they can't get their shirt on correctly. And because that person no longer can learn new things, even though some of them aren't new, We have to guard against accidents. And even if that person seems like they're doing okay, they may not realize that they've lost the judgment and reasoning that it takes to avoid those accidents. So families are going to have to step up and try to do the best that they can to make sure that that person is safe, even if they are mildly impaired. I mean, these kind of things can happen 
in a flash. And if we are not paying attention and that person is tired, they're less alert than they usually are, if they're angry, if you're trying to push them to do something, um, if they're sick, if they're arguing with someone in the house, they have a much less chance of having good reaction times and good judgment. They could overreact and have a catastrophic reaction to whatever it is they're upset about. So anything that you can do to reduce confusion when it comes up is is going to have to be your top priority, okay? Because it's really, really hard when that person is your top thing that you have to deal with throughout the day, their safety, their their um, daily activities, everything is within your realm of making sure that it happens, that you keep an appointment, that you finish whatever task it is, you know, We have to work on these things and try to make sure that that person is not in a situation where they are feeling stressed out or upset. And if you can change the trajectory of the the time and space and give them time to work through whatever you need them to work through, it's like having sometimes... um, the role of helping a child get dressed or trying to get them ready for school or whatever it is, you may have to add an extra 20 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes so that that person is not stressed out and that you're not stressed out because they will feed off of your energy. And if your energy is anxiety, that's exactly what's going to translate. And that's how serious accidents occur. Okay. And if you can ask other people in the family to pay attention to tension um, and try to keep accidents from happening, you can keep a closer eye on the person who's impaired and know their limits. And don't take their word that they can do some of those tasks that they think they have always been able to do, like preparing their own food or uh, getting into the bathtub alone, turning on the shower by themselves, okay? If you have to, include a therapist to help create better timing and better, I guess, processes for this person getting the things done that they need to get done. And if you need to, have an emergency plan in case something goes wrong, in case you get overstressed. Can there's somebody else that can step in? If they slip and fall, do you have a phone nearby? What what are we doing to help that person be successful? What if a fire broke out and that person doesn't recognize that you're trying to help them to get out of the house. How do we deal with all of this? Maybe it's pre-planning. Maybe it's, you know, looking at your house. What are the best exit points? Um, Are there neighbors that can help you? 
Do you have car keys set and ready if something goes wrong and you have to get them in the car and get them out of the house? Um, how do you work through this without clutter, without anxiety? Because if you're trying to do things or that person's trying to do things that are no longer safe, like using the stove or or driving a car or tripping over furniture, you know, what are you doing to make sure that you have looked at all this in advance and try to minimize the risk as much as you possibly can? I mean, I'm telling you, you have to kind of Alzheimer's proof your home and make those changes right away. Make them right away when that person gets a diagnosis. Because if you can make those changes of getting rid of throw rugs, if you can um, look at their driving processes and their reaction times before it becomes an issue, have them be a part of the decision-making of moving furniture and stuff like that. That makes them feel a little bit better and and keeps down the the thought process and the delusions of you stealing items because you've moved them now to get them out of the way or trying to learn a new way that the house is set up for safety because you did it after they were already in mid-stage and now they don't like the changes and are running into things in the middle of the night and having falls because you moved furniture too late. So things that you can think about, like especially in the house, um, put away dangerous items, power tools, electronic gadgets, um, anything that could catch fire, kitchen knives that they might attack you with if they become frightened, um, get rid of candles and matches in the house. Buy the electronic candles if they liked them in the bathroom or something like that, where you can just put a couple of batteries in and they can have candles that way. Um, Maybe change your system of your fireplace to a gas fireplace so that they're not trying to start a fire with logs and catching things on fire or moving logs around. Um, What about medications? Get rid of old medications. Go through your cabinet and look at what's expired. Just get rid of them. If they are over a year old, if they have passed the expiration date, they may still be okay. But do you really want them getting into oxycodone or um, allergy medicine or anything like that uh, without your knowledge? That could be bad. You don't want them to take a bunch of NyQuil or something that could really make them sick or get them up in the middle of the night staggering around and and things like that. And even people who are mildly impaired can use medications inappropriately. They can use a lot of things inappropriately, a mixer, a uh, um, an, a carving knife, um, 
a a uh, crock pot that becomes too hard uh, or too hot. So maybe you should go and get um, even childproof locks for drawers and cabinets. There's a lot of different kinds out there you can get. They're easy to install. And sometimes you might need to use more than one so that they can't get into a cabinet easily where you want to store things to keep things away from them, like steak knives and stuff like that. Go around and make sure that all of your smoke detectors are working. Do as much as you can to get rid of clutter on stairs, in the kitchen, in the bathroom. I am amazed when I come into a home for a uh, in-home assessment how many throw rugs I see. Sometimes, I mean, I, I've been in houses recently where there was one every two feet. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Up and down, up and down. These things can cause falls. I can't believe the clutter in the kitchens, in the living rooms, in the bathrooms, on the stairs. Those are absolutely fall risk. And what's going to happen if you don't get rid of all that is a visit to an ER where your person with dementia gets released to a skilled nursing place that's going to cost you about $13,000 a month. And they may say your person can't go home because of a broken hip or a broken shoulder or a broken leg or whatever injury they might have had. So it's much less expensive to get rid of the clutter in your house than it is to have to pay for skilled nursing. I mean, I guarantee you don't want to do that. And having to get, you know, a hospital bed in your house or have your person try to learn a walker or something like that, big, big, big problems. So another dangerous room in the house is the bathroom. It's probably the most dangerous room. There's things that could be poisonous. There are there are ways they could fall over the tub in the shower. Um, they can get burned by water that's too hot. Um, they might try to drink shampoo. Um, if there's a glass, a drinking glass in the bathroom, get rid of it. Put a plastic one in there so they don't drop it and have it break. Um, lower the temperature on the water heater to about 120 so that person doesn't accidentally scald themselves. You want to make it hot enough that you can take a hot shower, but it doesn't need to be 130 or 140. That's an accident waiting to happen. And in the kitchen, another dangerous, dangerous area. For God's sake, stop putting things on the stove. The stove is not a table. Again, you wouldn't believe how many houses I go into where people put um, lots of paperwork and things like that on a stove. And that person might, the person with dementia might try to go in and just heat something up, especially at night when you're sleeping. Um, they could put an empty pan on a hot burner. That is a fire hazard, my friend. They hide things under stove burners. They hide things inside the oven. Um, you should take off all the knobs if you're not using it so they can't, they can't use it. Um, 
You can put timers on appliances so uh, they turn off after a certain amount of time. You can have a switch installed on the stove or other electrical uh, appliances that you can turn off anytime you want to if you're not using them. Okay, uh, you could put rope lighting underneath the the cabinets so that they can see where they're going because eyesight is definitely a problem. Um, and and making sure that you're just looking for all these things that could be hazards. Be careful about rooms that have locks. Okay, you could put tape on a door handle so they can pull it shut, but they don't actually have the the um, the knob engage. So you could remove the lock so they don't lock themselves in a room. Uh, take the tumblers out. You know, like I said, securely tape the latch option that you have. Um, these are ways that you can try to avoid you know, trying to get that person out. Um, I shouldn't admit this out loud, but I am the queen at popping locks. You can usually do that with a credit card, um, but try to avoid that if you can, especially if it's an old house. Generally, you can run a credit card through there and just try to push it through. Um, but if you can't, that's going to be an issue for you. Okay. Um, other things that you have to look out for are maybe making sure that the windows don't open completely so they don't try to climb out a window to escape. Um, if you have a balcony rail that is too low, you might need to consider getting that adjusted, replaced, um, especially in a high-rise building or something like that. Make sure that there are security locks on those windows and balcony doors. People will climb over railings. They will absolutely do that. If they panic, they might try to, to get free that way. So do whatever you can to make them as safe as possible. Other things that could happen is outdoors. Um, they could put their hand through a glass window or a storm door. So um, if you have to, Protect those with with grill work so that they can see them. Um, they may fall off a porch or a deck, so make sure that your handrails are sturdy. If you have to, you could put non-skid tape on the edges or painter's tape on the edge of stairs so they can see where they are. Um, be careful about outdoor sheds. Lock them. Um, people go out and try to work on, you know, old TVs that don't work or toasters and stuff like that. And they'll, they'll plug them in outside at a, at a workshop area and then electrocute themselves. Um, you know, you have to look for these things. Is there uneven ground or cracked pavement, holes in the lawn that they will step in, um, thorny bushes, things like that. Look for things like that and fill those. If you have an outdoor grill, don't ever leave it unattended, unattended when the coals are hot. Before you close it up and everything, um, go out there and check and make sure that it's nice and cool so that that person doesn't come out and touch it. 
And if they if you have a gas barbecue, make sure that the the confused person that you love is not able to turn it on. Pull those um, pull those knobs off if you don't want them to use it. Make sure. What are some other things you can make sure that you go back out to that shed and lock up your garden tools. Um, get rid of any poisonous flowers. It's getting to be Christmas time, for goodness sakes. No poinsettias in your house. No poinsettias. They look real, or or fake berries or anything like that. People will try to eat those because they look good. You also have to watch and make sure that. They don't try to turn on the lawnmower. Put a put a um, like a uh, chain with a lock around the lawnmower so that they can't get it moving. That could be a big big deal. Um, riding mowers on a hill can flip over. Watch out for stuff like that. If you have a low fence. Um, they could just walk right over it. They might fall trying to get over the fence. So if you can have a taller fence, put one in. If you can put a six-foot fence in, do it. If you have a person that wanders, that's going to be an issue. For those of you around the world in warm places, swimming pools, rivers, lakes, ponds, need to be securely fenced or make sure that you don't give them access to being able to just go out to a pond or a river, you know, especially like you people in Florida or anywhere around the world. If you were on a river and you have somebody that is confused, make sure that you have some safety measures put up so that if they lose their balance or try to wander out into the water to go swimming, snow and ice when they freeze over can be especially hazardous. They might walk out and not see the pool because it's covered with ice or not see the river because it's covered with snow. So be able to, uh, be sure to make sure that they are safe in those areas. This happens all the time. In the wintertime here in Colorado, I get calls from local law enforcement because people have wandered away and they often will go to places where they think they can hide from people. And oftentimes it can be like little rivers and ponds and stuff like that. So keep those areas shoveled, salted, uh, you know, with the salt, ice salt and all that kind of stuff. And if you can, don't take them out in cold or icy weather unless it's an emergency. If you have to go to the hospital or a doctor appointment or or you have to go to the store or something like that, try to keep them as safe as you possibly can. And if you don't have um, the salt for the ice, you can use kitty litter from the grocery store. That works really good and it doesn't damage lawns. So these are things that I want you to think about. Never, ever, ever leave that person that is confused alone in a car. Never, ever, ever. They might wander away. They might play with the ignition. They might release the handbrake. They may have grabbed keys that you didn't know about. Um, 
They could be harassed by strangers that, you know, I mean, people mess with people all the time. They could run the battery down, turning lights on. Um, They can mess with the automatic windows and roll them down and get cold in a short period of time if it's sub-zero temperatures. They will open the car door and try to get out. There was a there was a lady, I don't remember exactly where she was, but she was in a Walmart park, par, parking lot. My husband uses this video often in his law enforcement training for Alzheimer's. And her daughter had left her in the car with her seatbelt on while she went into the store. Well, she was gone for quite a while, about 30 minutes. And her mom had taken a steak knife out of the drawer and put it in her purse. And instead of just taking off the seatbelt because she didn't remember how to do it, she sawed that that um, strap off with the knife, got out of the car, and started threatening the people that were coming towards her with this big steak knife. And the police were called because there was a woman in the parking lot threatening people with a big old, it was a butcher knife, really. And what happened was an officer showed up, did not know how to work with her. When the woman wouldn't put it down, the officer raced up, grabbed this 85-year-old woman, threw her to the ground, and her head started to bleed. And the daughter came out and had no idea what was going on. And this turned into a huge lawsuit. Um, I don't remember if the woman died or not, but it was a big issue all because the daughter left her confused mother in a car and didn't know she had a steak knife. Things like this happen all the time. Getting out of a moving car, a lot of potential for problems there. You want to make sure that you are always using the locks on the door when that person is in the car with you. And as much as you can, don't leave them alone. You don't want them to close the window on their head or their arm um, or try to get out of the car in any way, shape, or form when you are in the car or when you are out of the car. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988, to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. 
Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. All right. So I'm talking today about problems with daily care and trying to give you some insight on ways to avoid catastrophic situations. So this happens to me a lot. I will be driving down the highway or down Santa Fe in Denver, and I will see somebody that looks like they may be confused. If that happens, if and it, and 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 it's not just the person looking confused. Are they walking somewhat erratically? Do they have a coat on on a cold day? Are they wearing a hat and gloves this time of year? Um, look for things that just don't seem right. When you drive by, did their face look strange? Are they walking with a shuffled gait, meaning short steps as they're walking instead of, you know, kind of long, fast steps or even short, fast steps? Usually a person who is confused would be walking a little bit slower and a little bit more erratically. If you see something like that, call the police. They don't mind being alerted unnecessarily if that person is fine. They may give them a ride to where they're going. Okay? It's better than not alerting them and having a tragedy happen where that person is recovered later from freezing to death because nobody called when they saw them. Typically, you don't see older people just walking along the road. So let that raise a red flag for you, okay? And if nothing else, pull over and ask them if they need a ride or something. If they don't look like they're, um, I mean, we can't really guess. Like you can't guess whether somebody's a good person or a bad person, but you could certainly pull over, just roll your window down just a little bit and say, hey, are you doing okay? Are you, are you know, where are you headed or something like that. And if they say, no, I'm fine, you know, or they don't answer you at all or they look confused, then that will give you a chance to sort of assess that person without putting yourself in danger. It's worth a, it's worth a shot. It really, really is. Um, we see a lot of problems in parking lots when people are driving who are confused where they don't anticipate cars backing out or or pulling in or they're driving slowly or they're not looking for people. I mean, I'm telling you what, yesterday I was shopping. I was Christmas shopping and um, there were cars going way too fast in the parking lots. There were people absentmindedly walking behind me when I was pulling out. Everybody's on their phone I mean, even if you are of sound mind, you still have hazards everywhere you look. So now put a person in a confused situation in a parking lot. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, it's just an accident waiting to happen. Um, so if you, if you can have that conversation about getting tested for driving as soon as possible, so that they can get their reaction times tested 
when they are still in the mild stages. It's easier to talk to them about safety and put their mind at ease than it is when they're in the mid-stage and feel like you're taking an independence away from them. I cannot stress that enough, my friends. So what other things come up? Oh, my God. Smoking, 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 smoking. People will put down a lit cigarette and walk away and forget. This is a terrible, terrible fire hazard. Discourage smoking at all costs. When you have to take cigarettes or cigars or something like that away, the first couple of days, weeks are really, really tough. But I promise you, it will save you from coming home to a burned down house or a car that is caught on fire. You know, people sometimes forget that they ever smoked and don't really complain when you take their cigarettes away, especially if they're in the mid-stage. Um, if it's a big, big problem, then you will give them a cigarette, let them smoke when someone is there and can observe them and make sure they don't let ashes roll uh, to a point where then the cigarette falls off of whatever ashtray it's on and catches the wood deck on fire or something like that. Think about these things, folks. I'm telling you, you don't need these additional problems. Safety, safety, safety. Other things that are a big problem are firearms in a house. Firearms require an immense amount of complex skills that that person loses in the early, early stages. Those guns need to be removed or put in a safe place, locked up. If possible, if you need to, ask your person's hunting partner to come and take the guns and say they're going to get them cleaned and hope they forget about them in a little while. It's taken too long because of COVID. So sorry. We'll try and get them back as soon as we can. Things like that. Doctor, clergyman, police officer, sheriff's department, see if they can dispose of the guns if necessary. I will not go into a home for an in-home assessment if guns are present because I never know how somebody's going to react to me being there. I mean, it's these things are important. It is crazy important. So try to figure it out. What other things can happen? Going back inside the house. Um, we can certainly have problems with meal preparation. If you can have Meals on Wheels deliver food, that's a good idea. The caveat to that, the problem with that is that the food needs to be warmed up and microwaved. And they don't typically put anything in metal that you have to remove it to you know, put it in, you know, some kind of plastic thing or something like that. You can just put it in the um, microwave. But sometimes people will 
do that themselves, or they'll put a fork in with or a spoon in with whatever they're they're um, cooking, and can cause sparks and fires and things like that. If you're having other problems like that, and that person is lonesome, you want them to have some kind of a social interaction. There are eating together programs usually offered at um, senior centers. And you typically don't have to pay for that. It's funded by the Older Americans Act. Um, Sometimes restaurants will prepare carryout meals if you need to, if that person can't eat in public. Grubhub has become huge. You can have food delivered. There are lots of, lots of programs like Grubhub. I can't think of any of them off the top of my head because I don't use Grubhub, but I know a lot of people that do. Um, think about how that person is eating. Are they distracted by television? Um, are they often getting up and going to the bathroom during dinner time? Make sure that they have an easy exit getting up and away from the table so they don't trip over a table leg. Put them at the end if you possibly can just to make sure that that dining area is safe and turn lights on so they can see where they are and they can see their food easily. I talk all the time about contrast with plates and food. So, so, so important. I've talked about it at nauseum. You know what I'm talking about. Put mashed potatoes on a red or yellow plate, not white. Um, Things like that. Dishes with patterns can make people really confused and they might throw it on the floor. Um, If they're confused by condiments like pepper, salt, sugar, ketchup, things like that, take those off so they don't put too much on their food. Um, last thing you want to do is have, you know, diabetes or, or weight issues when you're trying to help someone. Um, utilize smells with food to entice them to eat yummy things that you can uh, put in the oven or, or, you know, even getting just a candle uh, that smells like apple pie or something can be very, very helpful to entice someone to eat. If they are having problems with coordination and balance, they might lose the ability to use their utensils. So, uh, that at that point, try to have finger foods and things that that they can eat easily. You don't want them having a fight with their food when they eat. That will make them not want to eat. Um, use plastic tablecloths or placemats um, when they're eating because they can sometimes make a big mess. Um, we do the same thing with kids. It's it's helpful. And the last thing you want to do is scold them when they drop food or use their fingers. Um, 
you know, the, the thing about eating with their fingers is that there's going to be a time when they progress, when you're going to have to try to feed them. And right now, eating with their fingers will postpone that time when they need more help from you. So really try to serve things that are easy to pick up in bite-sized pieces. Um, whatever you can do to make that easy. Try to get heavier plates and heavier dishes so they don't pick them up and try to move them. The heavier they are, the better. Um, there's a there's a thing called Dysum that you can get from medical supply houses that you place under a plate that will, it's like a non-skid thing, non-skid thing. And there are also plates with suction cups so they don't pick them up. Um, utensils with large, thick handles are easier for people with arthritis or coordination problems. So those are easy, easy things that you can pick up and, and utilize to help them um, and keep uh, from having broken dishes or hot dishes or anything like that that will hurt them. Um, you know, it's just it's just easier to do those kinds of things than suffer the consequences of broken um, utensils and broken plates and trying to clean it up or super hot food spilling on them. Um, use plastic glasses and don't overfill their glass with whatever fluid you're putting in it. Make sure you only fill it about halfway. If you're worried about them getting their clothes all messy, use smocks and things like that that they can utilize while they're eating so they don't get all dirty and messy and then you're fighting with them to get them changed after they've had something to eat. So uh, be very, very careful that you are judging the temperature of the food. Don't let them drink something that's really hot and burns their tongue. They'll drop the coffee if that happens. Um, if they don't like water, provide juices for them and remind them often to take a few sips so that they are swallowing their food and they are chewing their food well and then being able to um, swallow it and take those fluids in without choking on them. And if they get to a place where they're having trouble with all of this, then you're going to need to go to pureed food using a blender or baby food grinder or something like that. It it saves time and money and can, can help you to make sure that whatever they're eating will go down easily. They will forget to chew, even if you're watching. They may hide food in their, in their jowls. They may throw food away, feed it to the dog. They may eat food when it's spoiled. Um, you have to watch all this. You have to watch all of this. They, they will forget to eat and if you don't live with that person, if it's your mom, dad, aunt, whoever it is, uncle, and you're checking on them every so often, look for malnourishment. Are they looking too thin? 
are they are they overweight? Are they eating too much? Are they not eating proper food? Are they eating candy bars that they've been hoarding? Um, we see these kinds of problems often with people with various dementias. And I'm telling you, a poor diet will worsen their confusion more than you could ever have imagined. So try to stay on top of their meal times. Have a caregiver coming in and feeding them. These are important times to have somebody come from like a home care company and help them with food issues and taking medicine with reminders and, and things like that. And if they wear dentures, you have to make sure that they're not too loose. It might be safer to have them not wear them until they can get adjusted. Um to be able to try to eat better or be able to get the food in their mouth. And really, please, always touch their food or drink to see how hot it is. Is steam coming off of it? Don't let them get burned or drink something ice cold too fast. If you've ever had one of those brain burns, oh, that, that is horrible. That is horrible. Also, check their rooms to make sure they're not hoarding food. They're not hoarding candy bars. Sometimes they will start to eat a candy bar and leave the wrapper open, and the next thing you know, you're getting insects. You're getting mice, bugs, ick, right? Um, if you If they're going to to snack throughout the day, uh, put it in a container or a cookie jar or something where they can find it and remind them where it is. Um, give them a container that that has a tight-fitting lid that they can keep those candy bars in. Sometimes you can't persuade them to not eat those, but don't let them leave that out because, like I said, it can cause problems with bugs and stuff like that. And if you have to, you might need to see if you can trade their old spoiled food for fresh food with you. Um, anything it takes. Anything it takes. Because you don't want to have a complicating illness like diabetes. You don't. Because that creates a whole different menu of foods that you have to eat that's going to cause a lot of problems. And if you have to, put a lock on the refrigerator door. If you have to, to keep them from eating themselves into a terrible stupor. And if they are nibbling on food, they'll ask you for food again right after a meal they seem like they want to eat all the time. Just set out some foods that they can have, like crackers or cheese cubes or or nuts or something like that, um, so that they feel satisfied, but, you know, not gaining too much weight. How about uh, carrots or celery or, or things like that? Things they shouldn't eat, a lot of salt. A lot of vinegar, oil, Worcestershire sauce. Um, large amounts of those kind of things can make people sick. They will sometimes try to eat soap. They will try to eat 
the soil that's in planters. They might try to eat sponges. This is a problem because of damage to their perception and their memory. So keep those kinds of things out of sight. Put them high in a cabinet where they can't grab them. Try to make sure you eliminate these issues as much as you possibly can. And sometimes if they're if they're dehydrated because they're not eating well, we have to make sure that we have we have water around, we have juices around um, that you can put out so they can have a sip of water with with whatever it was they were eating so that they, they don't get a dry mouth and get those peanuts or whatever caught in their throat. Because with their mouth and throat are dry, it can be really, really painful. And if it is painful, they will be cranky. So make sure they get plenty of fluids. And in the later, in the later stages, we really, really have to watch them not swallowing food, pocketing food, swirling it around in their mouth, forgetting to chew or swallow. Um, it's a big problem. Apraxia is a big deal. And we have to give them soft foods that doesn't require much chewing, not meats that they have to, uh, you know, really try to um, chew and chew and chew and chew. Use gelatin, use jellos, use puddings and things like that. If they have to take pills, um, crush them and mix them in with food. But tell them, you have to tell them. You can't just give somebody uh, medication without telling them. That's illegal and it's, it's a restraint. And some medications can't be crushed. So you'll have to check with your pharmacist if you need to... Uh, really crush food to get them to, to, or um, pills so that they will eat them. That's a big problem for people. I hear about it all the time, all the time. So the moral of the story is maltrition, malnutrition and dehydration. All of this contributes to somebody's poor health. It makes them suffer more. It affects the way the body functions how quickly they will heal from illness. It can cause them to be overweight or not getting the proteins or vitamins that they need. Um, People that have difficulty swallowing probably will end up having a stroke if they are malnourished. You don't want those kinds of things to happen. Um, so getting enough fluid, making sure you keep their weight up and um, not losing weight rapidly, that can be a sign of a person that maybe is declining with their disease. Um, but you have to watch for these things because stroke and depression and things like that Poorly fitting dentures, all that can contribute to weight loss. And weight loss very late in the dementia can be a, a, a definite part of the, of the disease process itself. But consider all the possibilities 
that this person isn't eating because they've forgotten how to use utensils, that they have forgotten to swallow, um, again, that their dentures may not fit, or they don't know how to warm food. So having snacks out for them that are nutritional and good for them can be helpful. And if you can get that person in a calm state, if you can make those meal times enjoyable for them, make sure that their food tastes good, offer them their favorite foods, offer only one food at a time, don't put a bunch of stuff on their plate like you would at Thanksgiving and stuff like that, encourage them to eat slowly and gently remind them to eat you will have a much easier time. We don't want choking. We don't want, we don't want the person struggling. We want to make sure that they are, are trying everything that they can to have an enjoyable experience. You've given them food that is, is easy for them to eat. If you need any aid on that, you can contact a nurse at the Red Cross. They can give you simple techniques um, for working with a person who is choking. They can they can teach you how to help them if they are coughing or talking or breathing in and um, you're trying to help them with eating their food. This is a this is a time to Really educate yourself so that that person doesn't suffer with apraxia and die at the kitchen table. That is just not a good way to end. People have asked me about feeding tubes. There's a lot of people that discuss this and are not fond of them. I am one person that is not fond of them, and I will tell you why. Simply this. The person that needs a feeding tube has advanced dementia. And quite frankly, what is the point in having artificial measures to help them eat? Personally, at this point, I say... That's a time to just encourage them to eat and let them go. The dementia process itself is very long and it's very painful. It is the longest goodbye on the planet. And I just don't think feeding tubes are the answer at that point in time. I've thrown a lot of information at you today, but we are in a time of holiday season where we can have a lot of these things happen, people wandering away from their house, um, going here and there and jumping out of cars and, and eating too much or eating the wrong things and things like that. So I wanted to try and give you as much information I could about how to keep your people safe and keep your sanity as you're trying to care for them through this holiday season. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I look forward to all the upcoming holidays, including current Hanukkah and so forth happening right now. 
And I look forward to having more information for you in the upcoming weeks. I'm very excited because in the next couple weeks, I'm going to have Annabelle Bolin, who is one of the Bolin family children on my show in December. And that will be a show you do not want to miss. I look forward to seeing all of you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.